Due to a shitload of swearing and some graphic conversations, listener discretion is advised. Welcome to Fort Mac. Welcome to the Wyman Podcast. As always, I'm Totsky. Uh, we're continuing our hard drive journey, our uh, our Olympic race, our, our last five meters, our 100-meter dash, uh, to our 100th episode, which is coming up this weekend, this Saturday, uh, down at the Keanu Recital Theater. So uh, instead of doing another clip show, which don't worry, we're going to do still, but uh, we're going to change it up a little bit. And I got some audio uh, from a podcast we did on a, uh, on another network, uh, a couple weeks ago. Uh, we actually, the crew of the Wyman podcast, uh, myself, Tito, Steve Ash, as well as Mike, uh, actually jumped on, uh, Crowbar Radio, a podcast coming out of Winnipeg, uh, with, uh, our friend, our new friend, uh, Kid Remington. Um, I didn't really meet Kid per se, uh, but we were both at the uh, Winnipeg, or what was it, the, the Central Canada Comic Con, which is in Winnipeg, uh, in November. Um, I was down there for an Arkham Rising panel, and Mike was down there as well. Uh, we, we did the panel on, like, I think, a Friday night, and then uh, I took off to a, the Canucks game was the next day, so I left pretty much right after we did the panel, because uh, I went and checked out uh, Burry's retirement. Uh, so Mike... Uh, stayed down for a bit and actually got to meet Kid Remington, uh, who uh, I believe he has a, a cosplay company and he's really, really big into the cosplay. Uh, he cosplays as the Joker and he looks fucking amazing. Uh, so yeah, he, uh, he was down there and Mike kind of met up with him and uh, started chatting. Uh, turns out that Kid Remington did a podcast, so he asked uh, asked if we can join him on the show and talk about our film Arkham Rising, um, which was pretty cool. So. Uh, we jumped on his show a couple weeks ago, and uh, I asked him, uh, hey, uh, we do yours, you do ours type of thing. Uh, so he's going to come on the show at one point, but for now, uh, we're going to listen in to what we said on his show. Uh, because it, it it gives a pretty good background of, of the five of us here with the podcast. Uh, well, the four of us plus Mike, but Mike's just as part of the podcast as anyone else. Uh, he's done a lot of amazing stuff, and he's just a, a good guy. Um, so yeah, you, you'll hear us get interviewed by Kid, and um, yeah, we kind of go into our we go into a lot of Arkham. Uh, in, in this one, I split the uh, split the show up into two, so you're gonna hear one today, and then another, the part two tomorrow. Uh, we talk a lot about Arkham. We do talk a lot about the podcast where it came from, uh, as if you guys aren't sick of hearing that already. And then we go into ourselves and what and what we do. So it's it's pretty cool. It follows along the origin story theories that we've been doing. So uh, it's definitely a good listen to. Um, just before we head into the show, though, a quick note, uh, be sure to listen uh, to Kid Remington's Crowbar Radio podcast, because he's got some really cool guests 
Brett the Hitman Hart was on his show, man, and he's like an idol of mine. Um, he's really big into the comics. He loves uh, he loved Arkham Rising. Uh, he's really big into the Batman. So definitely check out his show at blogtalkradio.com slash kidremington. Uh, head to our Facebook and Twitter, and it's going to be posted on there. Uh, so definitely check him out. Uh, and also check us out on our live show that we got coming up Saturday, February 22nd. Uh, it's the Winter Reels event. We got an amazing show just lined up. We got seven incredible films that was created for the Winter Reels 100 hour film challenge that this, you guys need to see it. it they're so awesome. So, uh, we're going to watch those films. We're going to get the filmmakers up on stage. They're going to be interacting with the judges live on stage. Uh, we're all going to vote. Best film is up for grabs by audience to vote. So the audience is going to be responsible for giving someone a thousand bucks that night. Uh, we hope to see mayhem and chaos. We can't wait. Um, but also John Mick, comedian from Fort Mac. John Mick, he's hilarious. Uh, he's going to be doing a comedy set. And then we're going to be recording the 100th episode of the YMN Podcast live on stage. So it's going to be an incredible night. It's going to be great. Tickets are on sale now, ymmpodcast.com. Uh, go pick some up and then come join us. We're going to have the bar there. It's going to be awesome. It's going to be fun. Hope to see you all there. For now, uh, let's get into the first part of the YMM podcast crew appearing on Winnipeg show Crowbar Radio. Let's listen in. So, did you guys really like it here in Winnipeg? Who all came to Winnipeg? Uh, me, Totsky, and Mike. Totsky and House. Only two of you guys did that panel? Yep. Yep. Yeah. What? It was all built up on the website. I free help. I tickets. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, we did pretty well in Edmonton. I noticed you didn't make it. <laughs> That would have been the panel to attend well, to the Edmonton yeah, one. We yeah. to see if it, we're doing Calgary. It so. was like so surprising too because it well it, to, to be perfectly blunt about it, it was like it was packed in there. Well, what happened was Carl Urban was like super full, <laughs> and we were right across from Carl Urban. So we got like all the Carl Urban rejected people, a <laughs> lot of frowns in the crowd. <laughs> some, some people literally just nodded when we we uh, acknowledged them, like, "Oh, sorry, oh, yeah. you're missing Carl." There Urban. was a guy in the second row. Was like, I was like, mm-hmm. I kept like trying to toss like little jokes in, and oh, right. he just was not picking up what I was sending out. He was just like this it. motherfucker. He's no Carl Urban. <laughs> <laughs> Did you play Judge Dredd? But we had a packed house. It was 200 people, but we had a packed house. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Wow, that's well. You know what though? That's a good feather in your cap, right? When you're I think out so. All your, little, uh, your media credential. Um, you know, yeah. I, I default. Default. <laughs> Sold out everywhere we've gone and ended. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, we're batting one for one. Edmonton's got some cachet. Though that, you know what? That con did really well for itself this year. Last yeah. few years. How, how young it is, like, geez, it was well, really nice. They got the backing of, of Calgary, though, and I know Calgary's turned into, like, I think, what what's the largest one in Canada? Toronto's the largest one, I would say. Fan Expo, yeah. And uh, then, and Calgary. Fan Expo, then Fan Expo, too. And then I know Calgary's right behind it, right? Yeah. So, yeah. and then Edmonton is literally just the exact same organizers moved up north on, on a couple a months down the road, well, so. Much bigger scale this year than the previous. Oh, yeah, they were definitely testing the waters the first year, and yeah. then they wanted to go again. 30,000 people at Edmonton Expo this year. Or attendees. How, how did how did you guys come about getting invited to Winnipeg? What happened there? Um, it was it was actually uh, an honor. It, it was an honor and a privilege that I emailed them and asked. <laughs> <laughs> It's like, hey, hey, I, I hear you have a comic book. Well, no, it's... <laughs> yeah. So basically how it worked, um, uh, we did Arkham Rising, and, and uh, we were... The whole time we started doing Arkham Rising, 
Uh, we're like, we want it, we want this to be seen, and obviously we'll put it on YouTube, but what else can we do with it? And at first we were pretty skeptical and, and, and kind of nervous of the whole copyright thing, and we were worried about, well, if we submit this to film, like the normal film festivals that, that Tito has, well, well, has no, guided that, us that, on. It wasn't, it wasn't necessarily that. What it was was... We were our the we were aiming for Mecca, which was uh, San Diego Comic Con. But San Diego, and, and it, it's still a piss off to this day because after two thousand three, when um, forget what the name of the fan film is, I think it's called like Nightfall or something. Um, where uh, he, he yeah, fights yeah, yeah. Predator Nightfall. and Joker and the alien. Have you seen it, kid? No. It, okay, so there's this there's this fan film out of two thousand three that got huge critical praise because. Uh, like big people like Kevin Smith, well, define big, uh, like uh, um, uh, Fat. like Kevin Smith <laughs> saw it and they were like, this is the truest iteration of Batman because he was in the spandex. He was like in really good shape and they did this whole thing where he's fighting off, uh, fighting the Joker for the last time. But then like, then you have like Alien and Predator that jump in, right? And it's crazy because it ends in this big like Mexican standoff. And so that got into Comic-Con in 2003 and it made a huge deal and, for Comic-Con. Well, it won, yeah. It just like with a, so after that year, Comic Con made like a hard rule. It's like no fan films, which a lot of people were like bullshit. Like it's how Comic-Con. how does Comic Con not accept fan films? So we our, our aim was like, well, hopefully we've like the move or the movie we just made has the chops again to Comic Con, but like it, shoot for the moon, right? And then whatever whatever the the fallback from that will be awesome. And so we, we did the original festival run, which would have been like the standard fe- film festivals. We aimed for San Diego Comic-Con, but then Todd came up with the notion, why don't we just aim for any other cons, like a- like any big cons? Because uh, Comic-Con is not the only one that has a film festival, and a lot of them just have like movie screenings. It's not necessarily yeah. a film festival, but they have like dedicated rooms where they'll just do like uh, 247 movies all the time. And that's what kind of shocked us to it, is literally we would apply, or like I would email and be like, hey, you guys... We got this fan film. Does this interest you at all? And a lot of them would be like, sure. We don't have a film festival to it, but we literally can just screen it in our resting rooms. And that works for us, right? Yeah. And, and then uh, C4, C4 was the one that was like, do you guys want to do a panel, right? Well, no. C- <laughs> <laughs> no, C4, we, we submitted to uh, – I, I seen the con was coming up. So I, I said, hey, do you guys want to screen this? They said, absolutely. We'll, we'll screen it, no problem. And then I just seen they put out a call on Twitter about panels. Oh, okay. So then I just replied and be like, hey, we're already screening there. How about us doing a panel? And they're like, sure, you're in. And that's pretty much the – the the no uh, the no funniness to the story at all just kind of sure yeah come on over yeah we yeah. were at the top of the list yeah we just we asked like <laughs> it's been like a big secret because we actually ran into the the creators of another Batman fan film yeah uh, at San Diego Comic Con and we're kind of trading secrets and they were asking us how we did this well, and, and we were asking them how they did that and one of the big questions they had for us was how have you screened in so many festivals yeah, and conventions because these guys I don't know if you've seen it uh, kid but it's uh, Puppet, uh, Puppet Master, Master. okay uh, so it's this fan film that's supposed to take place between we the Dark Knight and ours too it a little yeah bit. the Dark Knight yeah. and the Dark Knight Rises and it's about like how how like a Christopher Nolan Riddler would be worked into the mythos and so uh, they made this film and and it's really really good it's like about 15 minutes long really good production value very like almost very Nolan-esque in its style and they had a, a, a festival run and when we met them in Com- Comic-Con their big question was like they saw our film and they were like how did you get into so many film festivals and they went through the traditional route which we also did but then we went that step further and we were just like asking people it's like hey if you have a film festival can we 
throw our our you know yeah. our gloves in the, the ring, ring right? Yeah. yeah. So funny secret secret weapon asking. Yeah, <laughs> Who would have thunk it? It's really? funny because you'll never you'll never get a yes if you don't ask, right? And that's like well, and there's also this whole like funny, uh, not a stigma, time, but, but like. A whole thing with with filmmakers, and I know like a, a lot of the ones that I know, their whole thing is like it's not about they don't want to ask. It's a whole thing. It's like you, there's a proper means of doing this, and like to ask is mm-hmm. to kind of and and yeah, there 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 is an element that they say, well, you're you're desperate if you're asking to get into a film festival. But I mean, submitting submitting a film and paying money to submit a film is is just a more formal way of doing the same thing. Mm-hmm. So, if anything, we save money. Yeah. Interesting. <laughs> And that's just the way I've always saw it too. Like uh, uh, Tito and I come from very much different backgrounds, and and to me, like the whole self promoting thing is something that I think you need to do as a, as independent filmmakers. Is we're all not uh, we're all not the James Cameron level yet, so we need to show people, hey, this is what we got, or else how are they going to find out, right? So did you just? <laughs> are we allowed to say that name here? <laughs> you're showing believing work is sort of the aggressive way. Uh, we absolutely do believe in our work. That's that's mm-hmm. uh, number one. I mean, even where we know where uh, we could have improved or, or or the pitfalls that we have fallen into, uh, we're very eager to go through that so we can not make the same mistakes again. And uh, yeah, I think and, it gives us a confidence. Yeah, and our, and our, our philosophy has been is like, okay, well, we, we, we could have done this better, so let's apply it to the next project. So we, we all make mental notes with each production we do, and we're just like, okay, th- we, we could have been stronger here. Or, like, I mean, uh, the big thing about Arkham Rising is we've had, like, a lot of, even though there's, you know, the, the YouTube is full of, like, spammers, as it were, but we, we have had some pretty good constructive criticism, and we've t- we've been all kind of, like, taking some mental notes from that, filtering the bullshit, right? And mm-hmm. but, and then, like, okay, and then when we move, we're, like, uh, our most recent project that we're working on right now, a lot of the elements that have shaped the structure are based around some of the more constructive criticism we, we read about. It's the, it's disgusting how much I enjoy watching ourselves. Like really, <laughs> like, like, I, I must seem like the biggest narcissist to the people I work with. Cause I'm just like, Oh, check out this video we made and check out this video we made and look at this. And I go, <laughs> oh, you don't seem like it. You are a narcissist. No, fair enough. <laughs> yeah. okay, well, as long as we're clear on it, I guess I'm on TV. But I mean, no, but I mean like that's, that. that's why I like working with Todd because like he's like that's what a producer's supposed to be. He's the sell guy. He's the guy that's supposed to really push the product, as it were, right? So, well, that, that makes perfect sense. So, folks, we've got, we've kind of jumped in. We've seen how much bigger these guys have to their project. What we're gonna do? Is we're gonna get the doll introduce themselves. This is for the curtain out here in Central. He does live. Uh, everybody, say who you are and what you brought to uh, well, either the YMM podcast or. Or the movie, uh, what you did for it. Okay, uh, where do we want to start? Uh, start with you, Tito. We'll go. Okay. Uh, my name is uh, Tito Gillen. Um, I'm the writer and director of Arkham Rising. I'm also one of the uh, members of the YMM co- podcast. I'm the counterpart to Todd. Founder. Founder. Yeah, one of the fa- the founders of the YMM podcast. Right. Mm-hmm. That'll be on a plaque in 20 years somewhere. <laughs> <laughs> Under somewhere a very statue of Batman. Where no one will see it. But but yeah no um. It, uh, yeah, and by by, I mean, when I say writer director, it's not as if it's like this big uh, position of prestige in the sense that like I got everyone's ideas were basically structured and put together by me, and then I put the pieces together. So my job was essentially, at least I think, the easiest one in the sense that I was able to hone everyone's talents and piece it together into something uh, linear. So nice. 
All right. I'm Mike Farrow, and I actually joined the team late, actually on their second or third major film as a project. Um, and I bring coffee. <laughs> uh, no, no. He, he's the key master. Yeah. He opens doors. Yeah, that's true. I do that, too. That's, uh, <laughs> it, it, he's, he's a production manager. There we go. There you go. I help live with locations and stuff like that. Uh, some uh, prop stuff, that, all sorts of things. Like, any time that we are about to uh, give up on, on, on a certain something, Anytime we, we need a product or an item or a location and we're just about to you know, go a different route, all of a sudden Mike swoops in and he's like, uh, yeah, I got it. We should <laughs> we, just we gotta ask figure it out. him first. For... <laughs> yeah, I mean, when will we learn? <laughs> when will we learn? No, but seriously, it's true. Uh, Michael, uh, I'm Todsky and I'm just the group's fanboy. Uh, Cheerleader. Really, Cheerleader. that's all it is. Like I, I can sit back and watch any of these guys work, and it's absolutely a pleasure. They want me to, to jump in as a character in a short, sure. They want me to, to run audio, sure. They want me to grab coffee, sure. They want me to do that, and that's, I'm more than happy I think that's, seeing this. The that's only a little thing, bit of an undersell. The, I think so. Hold on. The only thing that I want to see is that the project come to life. <laughs> That's all I care about, is that it actually gets done, Todd's it actually gets like, shown. Todd's so self-deprecating. <laughs> yeah, no, no, Todd, uh, Todd is, uh, he's a really good producer. He's, uh, uh, I, w- I would even say he's a pretty good agent for the film, for our films. He's the one, like, I mean, I'm very um, introverted by nature, so when I do a film, I will do a film festival run, but I'm not very much the guy that wants to go up on stage and talk. Todd is that other half, so it, he's really good at promoting uh, stuff, as well as, Coming up with ideas. I mean, the idea is Arkham Rising would have, would not have happened had Todd not really pushed for it. Yeah. And well, like I mean, we'll get into it a little bit later. But yeah. he's basically that that last element that was basically like we have to do this now. So <laughs> kind of the catalyst for any of our projects oh, in a big way. Yeah. In a big way. Oh, you guys, the, you guys the, are too kind. The ball gets rolling because of Todd in, in a lot of aspects. Um, I guess that leads into me. Um, I'm Steve, uh, and uh, I helped out with Arkham Rising uh, in a few different ways. Um, I'm the guy that did the voices. Uh, I'm I'm the Indian guy who did uh, who did the Bane voice. Not true. Not accurate. Convenience store. Not as true. as an Indian man, I can tell you without a doubt that that man is an Indian who did the voice of that movie. No, I'm Whitey McWhiterson, and um, I uh, also stood in as uh, the Joker in the final frame of Arkham Rising, and as well helped as uh, a general extra, helped with props, helped with sound design, uh, and pretty much anywhere that I could. I definitely just bit into like a peppercorn. <laughs> My name's Ashley, and I bit. And how do you spell that? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well, uh, my name's Ashley, and for uh, Arkham Rising, I was prop master, and makeup artist, and makeup, makeup. artist. Yep. So, um, the scar that you see in the last frame with the Joker, I did that, and um, also did a little bit of the prop design so when the riddler's scribbling on that pad you see him with his charcoal which is charcoal and not a pencil i know some people said that why would they give a prisoner a pencil and i'm like it's not it's it's a chunk of gold okay whatever whatever (laughs) Uh, i just i just want to throw this in because i don't know if it's going to fit anywhere else in the show but uh you're going to see uh, ashley's work in our uh, upcoming film uh, cover it's out right now but it's doing its festival run it's not released just yet and what you're going to see Ashley do in cover is absolutely amazing, amazing work. So yeah. I don't know if I can fit that in anywhere else. But well, yeah. I mean, uh, kid, if you're if you want, we can send you a private link to watch it afterwards. If you want to comment on it later on. Yeah, no, great. Cool. It's a horror film, not. Uh, Where do you come from? Like, what's that? Oh, uh, I'm originally from New Zealand. Okay, we're from New Zealand. Uh, uh, what's that? 
And North Island, I'm from um, about an hour and a half north of Auckland from a little town called uh, Whangarei. Nice. Yeah. It's I a, actually it's a chance to go to New Zealand for a couple of days and it was super, super beautiful. I, I hope to get back someday. Yeah, it's pretty amazing down there. I gotta say, <laughs> and I mean, much it's, warmer. It's my yeah. home. Yeah, way warmer than here. The way they promote it in the and media, you expect like Peter Jackson to meet you at the airport. <laughs> yeah. Seriously though, he he's might. on every Air New Zealand flight. Actually, yeah. <laughs> he's he, he's like a commodity. Yeah. <laughs> he could be. I'm Ian surprised they haven't put him on like the dollar bill yet. <laughs> In front of the Hobbit Hall. He'll probably end up on like our new $2 coin or something. Ian McLennan's at the border security. (laughs) (laughs) You can pass. You're good. You checked out. You're good. You're good. Yeah, Peter Jackson would be doing anything small like one or two. It would be at least three for him. Yeah. Mm, Yeah. His motif. (laughs) So, guys, what what makes you decide? Uh, You've obviously seen uh, the Batman movies or read the comics. I'm not too sure your history. We're going to find out about it in the next little bit as I browbeat you guys. But what makes you decide? (laughs) What gives you the right? (laughs) Yeah, exactly. No, I'm honestly anticipating. I'm I'm so looking forward to you uh, grilling us a little bit because, I mean, I don't think we've had that yet uh, about this. And and we're we're so far after the the completion of the project. Uh, It's so fun to talk about the beginning of it. Uh, And... It literally happened. Um, it, it was such a strange night because it was uh, we were all so eager to fit. Yeah, exactly. It is an origin <laughs> oh, yeah. story at the end of another story. Uh, we all went to Edmonton to go and watch uh, Batman, uh, the latest Batman: Dark Knight Rises on the IMAX because we yeah, don't have and, one in town. We went all out with this one. We we, <laughs> oh, we yes. rented a van and we dubbed it Batman. We like decaled it. There's pictures on Todd's Facebook. Feed. Got costumes yeah. and everything. <laughs> There's this awesome shot of like uh, Steve wearing like this Batman mask in the in a canola field yeah. so there's all this yellow and then just these little oh Batman eyes <laughs> but um uh, uh, a little bit of each of our backgrounds in terms of the knowledge of the character um I've I'm, I'm a huge comic book uh, aficionado. I'm more uh, actually a Marvel guy than a DC uh, DC person. And and the, and it wasn't until like probably the last. Ten years, yeah, since uh, when Batman Begins came out that I actually started giving DC more of a chance because I had always heard, like, there's some great stuff out of DC. And and so finally, you know, I sat down and I read, uh, uh, you know, Superman Red Sun, The Dark Knight Returns, Dark Knight Strikes Back, Long Halloween. I went through kind of, like, the the seminal works, as it were, and then started really catching up. And and, and honestly, like, uh, after I read um, in... Identity crisis. That's where I was kind of like, wow, DC's got like their characters are much richer than the Marvel. Like Marvel tends to be very event based, whereas DC is very like these very personal stories about you know the ethics or the morality mm-hmm. of these characters. Where Marvel's very been cha- uh, either chaotic good or chaotic uh, evil. There's no like in betweens unless there's a whole like why the fuck are we saving the world every week? Why can't we just stop doing it right? So, um, and so yeah, I've always been a big comic book fan, and um, the Nolan movies particularly. Um, uh, after the Dark Knight, it, it like you can tell even now that it, it like it, it it like it's funny how the movie's like you've changed things. It's like it, it that movie changed the, the 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 uh the, the superhero the superhero standard. Like every like suddenly a movie like a uh, Spider Man Sam Raimi's Spider Man and by the way Sam Raimi's my favorite director. Sam Raimi's Spider Man was no longer the bar. It was like oh this is kid stuff and everything has to be dark, et cetera, and all that good, good stuff. So, yeah, so we, we um, and my friendship with Todd kind of, like, Sorry. links into that because 
Todd, uh, I think you've always been a big Batman fan, right? It's it, uh, it's funny because I still have the continuing streak of seeing every Batman movie opening night. Right yeah. from 89 uh, to my mom taking me to the 89 Batman, right until the Bat Van that, uh, yeah. that was so epic, right? So I'm, I'm a bit more different because I come from a visual. Did you watch the Adam West movie? Did it get a theatrical release? I don't think it got a theatrical TV, no. release, TV release. I always feel like it did, like it, like because those credits are so fucking long. It's just like that spotlight moving around for like, uh, like I watch it now and I'm like, it's those credits. It like as soon as the credits are done, I'm like, I don't think I want to watch the rest of this. <laughs> but no, uh, uh, Tito's always been uh, with our friendship. Tito's always been the, the comic book. He knows the origins. He knows every issue. Well, you'll bring something up and then I correct you and you're like what really yeah (laughs) i'm a movie like my comic background is just movies i love movies i love watching comic book movies haven't read that many comic books besides for me and you basically you recommend something i'll read it or half the time i want to learn an origin story you'll sit there and tell me about it yeah and i mean i like uh just to go back a little uh for a while i mean I, i think part of like one of the greatest influence for me was uh like like i said it wasn't until i was in university that i really started getting into the dc universe stuff and then I actually, for once, sat down and really watched uh, the DC animated universe stuff, and and that like that's what really sold me in because that's kind of like this is a taste. If you want more, read the comics, right? So it was yeah, it really got into it from there. So you're one. For Which uh, actually, it's pretty funny because Tito was the person who said no to making. Actors. Oh yeah, I was I was a hard no. I was such a hard no. Absolutely. He in fact it was like a trick question that. Uh... Yeah, it Todd totally tricked me too. Into doing it because um, okay, so we, just okay. So yeah. we so Steve was at the part of the story where we went to the IMAX to watch it. We had the bat van. We 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 saw it. We we saw the midnight release, and there was then almost a nerd fight. There was, right before oh the yeah, movie started. Oh, oh yeah. yeah. Some people had uh, some people had come to uh, to our turf and were trying to take it over from us, saying that we had their seats. And uh, it was Tito. It was totally like, two, was like... A- two groups of apes yeah. with rocks. <laughs> so with an audience, too. Yeah, they, yeah, and everybody was watching us because we had like the sender seats and everything. And the guys come in and it's like, you're in our seats. And we're like, no, we're not. We're in our seats. He's like, no, man, we got our tickets. And sure enough, he whips it out and it's like 1201, the Dark Knight rises. I'm like, holy shit. And suddenly, t- like, I see Todd do a slow turn. Like, <laughs> I, like a slow, like, turn and looking at me like, you fucked me so hard. <laughs> <laughs> And then sure enough, our buddy's like, wait a second, let me see that ticket, grabs it, and it's like 12.01 p.m., and the, the midnight show is the 12.01 a.m., so like, we won. Same date. And, but... we, and it, was, it was so bad, too, because oh, there was two of them in the crowd. Oh, everyone started heckling them, but there were two of them that were like the, the scouts, right? They were trying to get the seats ahead of everybody and make sure everything was all kosher. And they were running back, they're like, oh god, we got three other people in line right now yeah. trying to get the snacks, like, we gotta go tell them they're not going to work tomorrow. <laughs> <laughs> Whatever, they, they're not visiting grandma, they're going to see the dark night at noon. Yeah, they had the noon show. Yeah, so it, it, we, we ended up, like, we, we ended up watching the movie. But um, it was after, the, the, the tone was set, it was this really strange mood, and I'll never forget it, it was because we all whipped out our phones immediately after the movie and tried right. to start uh, beaking uh. off about how great the movie was, and we saw that that Sandy Hook shooting had occurred. Oh, uh, no, no, Aurora. sorry. Aurora, yeah, no, no, my bad. Uh, in the movie theater. Um, and uh, Yeah, and it's funny because Todd was, like, he had this, like, really cheap Joker mask that he brought <laughs> It was more like movie. a Leatherface oh, mask yeah, painted totally like was. the Joker. 
it was like this really bad leather face mask that someone painted like the Joker and added hair to it so that it would look like a Joker mask. So Todd was masked like right up until the movie started, really, right? And a lot of people were dressed up, and you know, suddenly you hear like there was this guy that was armed and went into the movie and all this stuff. Right? I don't think I've touched. I don't think I've touched that mask since because it's just yeah. that's ridiculous. So it was, it was a it, we, it, yeah. We were in such a big high, and then like suddenly, just like suddenly, a somber Crashing tone, down, right? Yeah. And uh, we we decided to go comfort ourselves with uh, the Damn. number one thing. To comfort yourself after hearing terrible news on the internet, Denny's yeah, we at 3 in the morning. Yeah. At 3 a.m. So and we had another big nerd conflict at the Denny's. <laughs> <laughs> it was crazy. Oh, oh. Man. Like, with, with how the, many with, like, Why did the internet Siskel come to life Ebert that night? Yeah. Siskel and Ebert showed up at our Well, what happened uh, was we were, we were in line waiting for our table, and sure enough, there was this guy behind us, and we were talking about the movie, we and then they started talking about others. movies, and it's like... And the guy's like, you like that piece of shit? And we're like, and then suddenly we were going back and forth. And then the, the guy, like, he basically, again, like two groups of apes. He like totally chest pounded because he was like, well, you probably didn't even read the comic books. And, you know, anyone that's on the internet, that's like, that's like the salvo to start yeah. this huge, like, flame war. But I was like trying to keep poise about it. I'm like, okay, it's late. I don't want to get into this right now with this guy, right? And I'm like, Tito would waste you from the back. Oh, yeah, you were like heckling. I'm like, you weren't even drinking tonight. Like, what is up? None of us were. Well, he was just being a real jerk to you. And I'm like, you don't even know who you're talking to. He's read everything ever. (laughs) Meanwhile, the the patrons of Denny's are like, shut the fuck up. We haven't seen the movie yet. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, so I'm like, yeah, exactly. And that was part of it because, like, there is that kind of, like, social shame. I'm like, I don't don't want to talk Batman with you right now in front of all these adults. (laughs) (laughs) So, so we... And so we like uh, we we finally get seated and we're sitting there and it's it's like the best meal because we were like waiting for this meal all day and uh, it was it was after that moment of like when everybody eats and they're so hungry that there's a there's a quiet moment in the conversation it was after that that the question was asked and it's like well it was Todd Todd's yeah. like it was great and everything but like where was the Joker right and so <laughs> suddenly I get really defensive with him because I I'm I was totally. Uh, in favor of what they did with the film in the sense that, like, they didn't put the Joker in because, of yeah. course, of what happened with E. Ledger. Very respectful, didn't mention it, etc. And I was like, explain them, like, yeah, they were going to get some guy to look like Heath Ledger and they were, you know, basically add insult to injury in the fact that, mm-hmm. you know, uh, he's, he's not there. And this st- sparked a huge conversation amongst the group. Well, yeah, I'm I'm a man of universe. I'm a character driven guy. I, I, I know, obviously, understand why Nolan did exactly what he did. But there had to have been a way to sign off that character without being disrespectful to 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 Christopher Christopher Nolan for for Heath Ledger, uh, and, and it was those two questions. Like the first question was what happened to the Joker, and obviously they couldn't show us in the Nolan universe. But it was the second question is is if you're going to show him, how do you do it? Yeah. Right. Yeah. And and the novelization had already kind of hinted at it. I don't know if you you've read it, kid, but essentially they go into the fact that like all the all the inmates in Arkham had been. Uh, because of the Harvey Dent Act, right? They've been moved all to uh, Blackgate except for the Joker, right? And nobody knows what happened to him because it was the building was abandoned when Gotham came under siege. And the, the famous quote of not even Selina Kyle. Yeah, exactly. She not even know what but I, like, I, it, but you know, they they leave they left it very vague, and so then we started talking about scenarios, and I just, you know, I'm like, well, this wouldn't work because like basically Todd would spit something out, and I'd be like, this doesn't work because of this. 
And <laughs> then Steve would, and I'm like, well, it doesn't work because of this. And ultimately, I think we came down with with two scenarios of how it would it would play out. The first, which we didn't use, was um, it was going to be a callback to uh, what they did in the animated show, where it's basically the trial of Batman. So, if you recall, kid, in in the movie where um, uh, uh, the Gothamites or the uh, they're being held to trial by Bane and his men, Scarecrow, and Scarecrow. and the Scarecrow is the judge, right? Yeah. And so um, the scenario we played out is like, well, if, if Heath Ledger were alive, and that's I'd always I, I'd always start with, well, if he were still alive, <laughs> like yeah. they could do like what they did in the animated series where. Um, the Joker could have been the judge, and if and if even if Two Face had survived, he could have been the prosecution, and then you could have uh, Scarecrow as the defense, right? And just have this really cool callback to these three characters in this really weird mock trial where they're you know it's like the the trial of Batman, or at least the trial of of those in Gotham, right? And that would have been just a little bit of. Um, of a wink and a nod, but uh, and uh, a way to rework what, what existed in the script. And then we came up with the other scenario, which was what we ended up filming, and that was okay. So the, uh, the, the I remember specifically saying it's shot in a manner where we don't see any any details of the Joker, mm-hmm. at least yeah. non-indescriptive, in, to to show respect to Heath Ledger. So in other words, just just the the, the characteristic features, not face-on shots and all that stuff, and basically. You know how um, how uh, Bane's men went and liberated Blackgate. The idea is that after Blackgate, they would go to Arkham. Yeah. Arkham already having been abandoned for the most part, and so the idea was well, it be, having become a low uh, low security facility, right? Well, with, and, and, with minimal. And my, the thought process in the writing was that well, they hear what happened in Blackgate. The, like, who's going to stay? Fuck really? This here. Only those stupid enough to still want to grab their files or yeah. whatever, right? And that's how we ended up working. <laughs> Except for one. Which is one of the yeah. biggest arguments that we've had online. Is this, it's, why is this uh, prison facility so empty? Why, why aren't there any guards here? Why isn't there this? Why isn't there that? And it's explained because everybody got the hell out of Dodge. I yeah, know. If yeah. your town's got an, if you got some maniac, got a nuclear bomb in your town, like, do you give a fuck about... Whoever the hell, the, the calendar man and, and the Riddler. Right. And, so, no, you don't, man. You're so like, the idea here. was, the original, the original concept was, okay, so the, 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 the Joker is the only inmate left in the original uh, script was, uh, he's the only uh, one left. Um, and then, you know, it's like, how do we have them break into the facility without having to have an explosion? And it's like, and then we thought, well, <coughs> here's an opportunity. Like, Harley Quinn would be the only one that would stay behind because we're assuming that her relationship with the Joker is building over this time. And she comes back for some files or some final, like, uh, words with him. And as she's leaving, that's when she crosses paths with Bane's men. And then they just take her key card. Mm-hmm. And then we don't have to have an explosion for them to break in. Yeah. And and the idea is that they, they go in, find out that there's no inmates left except for the Joker. And they decide, <laughs> you know, he's, that we're not going to let him go because of whatever reason. Now, while we were writing this, two weeks after we were writing this... I'm, I'm, you know, because I'm scouring the internet for research well, on, we, on we, stuff. We skipped a major, a major part here. Yeah. Before we ever actually committed to the project, we were just spitballing in the Denny's, yeah. and uh, and when we decided that we would go with the uh, Arkham Prison version of the story, that we'd need a prison to film in, and hey, well, basically that was that, 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 was, that was Tito's trick. He's just like, yeah, okay, find find me a prison, and we'll we'll make well, this project. Todd sure, guys, like, we'll make this project. It. Let's film it. And Tito was like, no, he's like, I'm not going to film it. He's like, like we're, not gonna, prison, we're not going to be able to adjust this. Yeah, and yeah. he said, if you don't have a prison, it's not going to work. And, and Todd, Todd got, got a prison. prison. <laughs> yeah, and, uh, yeah, and so Todd, he was able to get. He's like, guess what? I got a prison. I'm like. Fuck! <laughs> so now I gotta film this thing. Oh, it wasn't a prison; it was the prison. <laughs> the yeah. prison. And, and so um, from there, so like I was saying, so two weeks into writing, 
Um, then I'm, I'm scrolling through the internet, just doing some research. Like, I find that puppet master film. I'm like, oh, this is really cool. And then I, and then I, uh, at the, at, they happen simultaneously. I got the notion of, well, why don't, like, it's only going to be a short scene, so why not just add as many references as possible? Yeah. Because why not, why don't we just add some inmates? Like, maybe some, some, some inmates that weren't, like, at first we thought Vic, uh, Zaz, but Zaz had already made an appearance in Batman Begins. Escaping. So, yeah, exactly. So let's, let's throw in some of the, some of the, the, the really obscure villains that might not show up in the Nolan ver, uh, universe, like, uh, Calendar Man, Mad Hatter, right? And, and we even had, at one point, discussed Poison Ivy, but due to constraints, we were like, okay, we'll make, we'll, we'll leave <laughs> Constraints, like, yeah. we don't own a redhead. Yeah. Oh, yeah, we had two at the shoot. essentially. On Constraints. The so, and then, so I'm scrolling <laughs> through the internet at the same time. We don't talk And about sure it. enough, I, I, someone, I guess on DeviantArt, had made a small comic. And the small comic was exactly what we were going to film. We would all, like basically the storyboards were had been done for us. I mean, not in the, not in the actual storyline, but like in the aesthetic of everything. We yeah, were like, yeah, it was like oh the, god, the, it's like it, it was our idea, except it ended a little bit like almost like a joke where it's like the Joker is expecting to escape and he's like, oh mm-hmm. fuck, no, no one's letting me up. And so you know, I call Todd in a big panic. I'm like, ah, oh, this is this isn't going to work. We can't do this now. It's bullshit, right? But ours was different enough, you know. And that's what I like about it. Like, kid, I don't know if we're jumping all over the place for. So, apologize, but okay, <laughs> fair enough. Well, we're gonna keep jumping. The uh, the uh, like the one thing I like about Arkham is that it is open ended. And kid, I'd love to know your opinion on this. Would the inmates of Arkham release the Joker? Yeah, like, like that's why, like in the comics, that, that, that's the that's the end of the movie, right? Because a lot of people are like so so what happened or like does he get set free? It's that's the biggest question, and and we basically that was the that's the hook at the end. It's like the question is, do they let him out? Yes or no, right? Like, yeah. do it do do the inmates allow for the Joker to be released? And and that would be a bane scenario in my in my mind because like the way the movie played out in The Dark Knight Rises was. Batman's like, uh, or uh, B- Bane's, uh, we put the trigger in the hands of a Gotham citizen, right? So the idea is like, it's the same kind of trick question. And in my mind, it was, they would let him out because he's kind of one of them in a sense. And the the idea was, well, he poses the question to the inmates. Well, if you guys want to let him go, it's up to you. All the while knowing, they're probably going to let him go. Mm-hmm. So. Well, that's just like what made ours different than that comic strip. That was the one defining feature. Is that comic strip, it specifically ends with Bane lock, not releasing the Joker and we just all assume that Joker's going to die. And Joker's literally hanging onto his bars and he's like, oh, dread, or whatever. Yeah, like, he's got all pouty on it. And that's why I think what made, I think that's what, when you called and freaked out about the, the comic script coming on, I'm like, no, this is very different I was like, okay, film. who made a comic of our script? <laughs> like, seriously, who in the group? Which one of who you? Who was yeah. it? Yeah. That's what I, because literally, uh, we already started now, but like we've sat down and, and had a freaking hour-long chat about what Bane would or would not have done in our own film, which is why I love Arkham Rising, right? Not until actually this past year. Yeah. Like, we didn't read the full uh, Dark Knight Rises screenplay until this year because going into pre-production for our next fan film, I wanted to kind of get a feel for, like, Nolan's writing as well as uh, storyboards for Ashley so that she could get a feel of how things were planned out for, for those movies. But no, no, like, I mean, you got to keep in mind, we, the movie had just come out, so there yeah. wasn't a lot of material out for yeah. it outside of the novelization. One of the goals was to act as quickly as possible because we figured that so many people were asking the question, what happened to the Joker? And so, so many people were making Batman-related fan films because of they're so inspired by the Nolan universe that uh, we needed to just get it, and not sacrificing any quality, but we just needed to get our jobs done as soon as possible. Yeah, yeah time, was, time was a huge factor for us. We, were we like, wanted to be first. 
100%. Yeah, and we were like, our, our big goal was like, we need like Halloween at the latest. Like that that was our, our, our target. We're like, this needs to be online so by Halloween. And and we uh, we organize events here in the city, like uh, film-related events. And uh, we have an event uh, every Halloween called Film Fear, where we screen an old cla- a classic horror movie and a, a bunch of like films from the community, like horror films from independent artists in the community. And we're like, this would be the perfect venue to premiere it and then put it online afterwards, right? So. Well, you know, I'm going to back up a bit and uh, answer your guys' question in a couple different ways. Uh, if I go back to the comics, uh, I'm, I'm reading The Clown Prince of Crime again, which is the 75, 76 Joker series. And he actually spends most of that series breaking himself out of prison and with fellow villains just to put them back in. And he doesn't care that he lives there. Like It's more like he lives in the prison. And he just gets out when he wants to get out and come back when he wants to come back. He lets people catch him. So I would say they, the other villains should let him go. But I'd also um, heard about a scene that that didn't go in the movie. And I don't know if it was Ledger, uh, you know, respect for him, or, or why they decided not to put it in there. But it's sort of, if I can use the imagery of when Jack Nicholson's Joker and all his guys were destroying those paintings in the art gallery in the first Batman movie... Bane and one of his hoodlums are going down the aisles of the prison and kind of releasing prisoner after prisoner. And when they're going to go and talk open, Joker's, you know, pad, Bane's like, no, no, not this one. He just wants to watch the world burn. And, yeah, know, yeah I, I think that's the that storyboard, too. So that's sort of the ways that I would envision it. You know, one of those ways would be kind of, it wouldn't be good. I, I don't think it would be smart to have him no, up there. No, me and you are on the... Me and you are on the exact same wavelength, kid, because to me, Joker's mantra has always been uh, destroy order. He's and, an agent and, of chaos. And, 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 yeah. and in the world of Bane, it's, as show. much as Bane is saying, oh, it's, it's utter anarchy, Bane is still in control. Yeah. So Joker's main task it. would be to upset Bane's control. So why would you release that? Yeah. Well, the League of Shadows <clears throat> is like extreme order. I, yeah. Exactly. My my thought on it was uh, it's kind of explained by the way um, in the Dark Knight Rises how uh, Bane and Talia are. Um, or, or, sorry, Bane mostly he he talks about the false hope, right? He talks about how powerful hope is, and he's giving the Gothamites hope, even though it's going to blow up the city anyway. He wants yeah. them to feel like there's some salvation, and I I think it's the same in, in garnering the trust of the the, the underground. Uh, obviously, the League of Shadows are his main go-to men for the actual mm-hmm. works, but he's going to need army, right? He's going to need muscle. He's going to need distraction to fight the army of cops and, and all of that. So, in order to gain those prisoners' trust, even the ones that are in uh, Arkham as well as Blackgate. He would need to give them that false hope, and I'm sure some of them are downright inspired by the Joker, right? I'm sure some of them think he's a rock star. So if you give them the choice to uh, let the Joker out, it, even though, like, I, I think that it's that false hope. He's Bane's still going to blow up Gotham, and likely the Joker in it if he's still in it, right? Now, now the, the, this it's interesting because we we did have this conversation too, have, yeah. and one of the big <clears throat> questions is. Um, it like, uh, and a, a lot of, of the mythology has hinted towards this. I mean, even the dark, the dark Knight returns is a big example of that is does the Joker exist without a Batman? And so the idea is that if, if the Joker were to get out of Arkham and there was no Batman, cause at this point we'd have established that, you know, Batman is gone, right? Would he even stay 
Like, would he even well, care? Yeah. That about connection's the, not there. That, that Batman Joker connection isn't in the Nolan universe. It's. Not, I don't think. Well, no, 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 no. I think. I think. I think it is. I think it is because it's in every universe. All three of them are about are about repercussions, and 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 the events of the first one showing that he's this crazy man dressed. They even talk about it in the Dark Knight, where man guy dresses a bat. He's got to have some mental problems, right? Like they talk about how ridiculous ridiculous it is for a guy to be going around at night solving crime dressed as a bat with gadgets, and the Joker probably was the catalyst. I think. I think. I think that he was a low level criminal. He even talks about it. The theme of the Dark Knight, right? You gotta, you gotta think of the uh, the Dark Knight is about escalation. So the idea is the the Joker thinks he can do what he can do because he knows there's a Batman. In other words, like in other words, when he went after the mob's money, it wasn't to take the mob's money; it was to get Batman's attention. Like remember, they specifically say the he says the Joker can wait. The the Joker is specifically he's like, okay, he uh, clearly this Batman guy's after the mob. If I Take out the mob first, yeah. then he's got no other choice than to confront me face to face. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, we're just taking. He's good at the waiting game, but also he uh, tried to jump to his death at the very end. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Let him die. Good call. You could let people. And yep. That's basically it, right? If Batman wasn't in the situation and it was Bane, he would probably go, well, he's sort of like. You know, whoever that is, if it's Batman or Bane, that's the blood in the water. The authority. He's going to find it. If there's nothing interesting, he's going to swim on. He's going to find something else. He'll go up to Canada and find... Toronto Batman. <laughs> Actually, Toronto kid, Batman. Uh, kid, I want to hear your opinion on this. Um, I've always been of the thought, in, in at least in the reference to Nolan's universe, is because they never really explain where the Joker came from, which I think is really cool because they, like, who is he, right? Smoke and and uh, But yeah. I had always made the assumption that he might have been someone, uh, uh, someone from the Narrows, or at least someone who was originally from Arkham. Because remember, when the whole all the shit goes down in Batman Begins, there's the whole you know the Arkham get the Arkham inmates escape, and then there's all this chaos in the Narrows because yep. of the 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 chemical. But no one, not a hundred percent of the people, get rounded up. Mm-hmm. I always just assumed he was one of the people in the Narrows, or or someone from Arkham that just was able to escape and just kind of erase his his uh, his identity from there. That definitely could be. That definitely could be. Do you have a favorite Joker origin story, kid? Because <laughs> uh, <laughs> I'll tell you mine right now quickly uh, is uh, from... My arm to dress up like Heath Ledger's Joker and uh, for, for uh, just a Halloween social. And then the next day was the Comic-Con in town. And he twisted my arm again to go to that. And man, oh man, he had to drag me into that place kicking and screaming. And... Uh, it was the stupidity that's happened since in the last four years. His has, that's you know I would have never understood that, right? Um, that would be my favorite Joker origin story. Uh, <laughs> it sounds very familiar. <laughs> I love yeah. it. Uh, you know what? The, the You're pretty intimate with that story. That for me, I'm, I'm a dad, and um, you know, yeah, that that whole one bad day, and you know his wife getting killed, and she was pregnant, and the mom pushing him. And he was just painted into a corner he didn't want to be in. And when your only way out is through a vat of chemicals, um, you know, that's that's a scary place to be. And I just, I like that. And I really like the way it was done. And even with the little things like the coloring in that, in that book, like, you know, all the little hints of red that kind of came out of the red hood, or, or, or you know, whatever your interpretation is of it. Um, that, I don't know, that's the one that does it for me. Uh- 
No, and very good points too on the on the father thing because I'm a I'm a dad too, and that one kind of resonates with me. I didn't actually read that comic until after a Batman Begins when he they flash the Joker card, and I'm like, okay, I know like the Cesar Romero Joker. I got to get more into, I got to get more into what this this uh, how bad this bad guy really is. But it wasn't until I saw Flashpoint that I really got interested into a Joker origin story, yeah. and it and it was uh, and it was Mrs. Wayne. Yeah, the Mrs. Yeah. Wayne Joker. I That's fucking love twist. that bit in that, or that 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 small scene where she just starts laughing, and I'm like, because it has the same thing. One, One bad, bad day, day. exactly. Yeah. yeah. Well, e- even the Nolan movies touch on it, where he says that you know, just like gravity, some people just require a little push, right? Yeah. So, yeah. So, so you guys mentioned getting in jail. Where where was the jail? How did you guys get? <laughs> uh, well, we had question. Well, easy question to answer. We had one day. <laughs> yep. It's the most asked question for, for all of us for the Arkham Rising is, was that a jail? Yes, it was actually a jail. And uh, Fort Mac is, is definitely the exception to every rule. And, and we have a, we're a unique situation up here. And we, we're in a situation where we actually have uh, two, uh, our, our city is RCMP, and we actually have two facilities uh, where one is being used and one isn't. And it was just strictly a timing thing. Uh, asked at asked at the right time. Uh, you got one day. If you can get it done in three hours, it's all yours. We were supervised, and the only deal was uh, as long as a whole bunch of people don't don't ask this every day. She said it's all yours. Yeah, basically, yeah. it was uh, uh, our. We've kind of stuck to it since then to I think keep an air of mystery, theatricality, and deception are uh, are uh, potent agents. It's over a year now. But <laughs> but yeah, no. But uh, basically, we asked, and they said. It, you got it, but if any word gets out, if we hear about it on Twitter or if we get any, uh, you know, little birdies in our ears yeah. about this going on, any whisperings uh, between the, then, the like, officers. I wasn't 100% keen, and, like, Todd had to, like, yeah. basically lie to me to make me go in there because I'm like, well, do they have a, a CCTV room? And he's like, oh, yeah, they got a great CCTV room. You'll be fine. Don't worry. So we get there, and I go into the CCTV room, which is a friggin' interrogation room, and it's just, like, a blank wall. And I'm like, well, fuck. So- <laughs> So we ended up like like that's why those shots are very quick because I'm like okay well I guess I'm gonna have to generate something from scratch here yeah. and just build a CGI room out of like layers and all that sort well, of stuff. Well, it was fucked up because like I got yeah, the, it was fucked up. I got <laughs> the place I got the place for three hours. We're under supervision because like they just sat there on the side. They're like it's an empty spot. They're like well if it's used today then obviously we'll have to go and and I was like well we can kind of use the inmates like in our feature in our film right? <laughs> no, but no, it, it was it was a very quick in and out under supervision. And then the people we brought in was just like, we're mercenaries, so we need guns. So they packed all these fucking fake guns into the goddamn props kit. And it's just like, all right, let's go storm in with these. No! Okay, yeah, except you didn't explain that we told them that it was like an educational video. <laughs> I wanted got, to know where the that's, Joker was. That's, that's how we got the prison in the first place. It was a research place. project. Is that we, yeah, we... Straight up told them that it was a educational. Film. They, they clued in so better to we, ask for permission or uh, forgiveness than they cl- but the they, fact that we were supervised made, made meant that those guns stayed in the kit while we yes. were there. But we, they, our secondary location was a public facility, and we we pulled as we call it the prop out there. But let's yeah. just say back to the prison though. They kind of knew what we were filming when I had all the months written on my head. Yeah, and <laughs> Steve was in a bunch of uh, uh, oh why can I forget why that totally rigid, rigid collodion that though it's like. Oh, it's supposed to be representative of how many years he's spending in prison. Yeah. <laughs> Months. 
instead of scratching into the walls, yeah. the tally, he's just been inking his forehead. Yes. That's what and he's only been there for one year. And, uh, <laughs> uh, interestingly enough, Calendar, Calendar Man actually stood out really well at uh, San Diego Comic-Con. Oh, yeah. Yes. Because no, like, like only like the hardcore, and San Diego's full of the hardcore yeah. uh, fans. People were like, like, oh, my God, Calendar Man. Calendar Man. Yeah. yeah. No one dresses up. Uh, it was so good too. Where I kept, ha- I had those leaflets from Arkham Rising. And uh, one of the coolest moments. I, sorry, I didn't want to cut you off. Uh, but it was when Hugo Strange asked you for a photo, and it took me a second to realize who he was. Yeah, he was so dressed up I. as the like, scientist. And I was oh like, yeah. And and it like the photo snapped, and it was when the light flashed that I was like, <gasps> this is a cool Batman moment. <laughs> well, literally, it was me and you. You were dressed up as a wicked Batman. I was going as Calendar Man, and I kept walking around. Everyone was like, picture time. And then I had those leaflets of the Arkham, like where Arkham Rising was, ArkhamRising.com, and I'm like, want to find out how I broke out of prison? And then I kept <laughs> handing them out. Some people were like, ooh, yeah, and then others were like, no. Yeah, they're just like, sure, <laughs> please, Rip. Please don't talk to me. Yeah. <laughs> Kid just left. Okay, so yeah. that's why I'm in podcast. Oh, my God, these guys will stop talking. So, yes, that is, that is how we got to prison uh, to answer that question. <laughs> I know, right? Uh, but it was it was that uh, <laughs> He's still not letting him talk. <laughs> well, I'm try- trying to answer the question, just saying that uh, the answer is our secret weapon. We just asked for it, basically. Yeah, exactly. Okay, did I miss anything, guys? <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, man. We like to talk. We apologize. We really like the sound of our voices. That's that's pretty cool. So obviously, my next question was going to be about the casting and. I'm hearing about you gaggle in that room that you guys are pretty close-knit. Um, was it all friends, or, or were there some strangers brought into this because they had the look, or they had the voice, or they had... Oh, God, no. It, it, we, we had... We had uh, I guess if you really wanted to filter it down, we had one professional actor in it, and he wasn't even doing any acting in it. He was yeah. like a body stand-in. Our Bane is uh, an actor by the name of Brody. I can't even pronounce it. Yeah, Dranc- yeah, there you go. Uh, what really he good said. friend of ours, too. But, uh, you know, we're like, we need this tall, imposing person. And, like, as you can see in the movie, we, we really don't focus on the details of Bane because our, like, we couldn't find anyone that looked enough like Bane. So we're like, let's try to cheat it. I'll, I'll use, uh, I'll use uh, lenses with very shallow focus. Well, when we, were, uh, when we were in Edmonton for Batman as well, like Ben, uh, a friend of ours, uh, well, Todd's brother, uh, he and a friend of ours, he uh, found this coat that like resembled oh, yeah. the Bane coat like At crazy, and he's shop. like, he's like, oh yeah, we can just use my Bane coat for the uh, for the uh, Batman fan film, right? Like so, so like everything just kind of yeah, weirdly and, and I mean like the mercenaries, like the the mercenaries were friends of ours. I mean, really, like one I, of them's again, your brother. We were yeah. yeah, we were in a very very tight timeline, so we we very much were like. Who looks the closest as possible? Well, yeah. it wasn't just that. We actually, well, because we had to keep it under wraps as well, we only wanted people that we really trusted. Because if, yeah. we, if we brought in strangers who didn't know us, didn't care about us, and they were like, we filmed in the RCMP prison. Like, yeah, then, now, and now in we wouldn't have been to able like, to release uh, it. I, I read your question from earlier, and I mean, yeah, uh, Brody is the <clears throat> professional actor, but at the same time... Um, uh, Steve, uh, he works in uh, in radio, so he does like even amongst your regular radio duties, you've done a lot of like voice imitation and, and yeah, such. yeah. I do uh, well. I do a lot of uh, commercial voicing uh, in house and uh, and voice work over the internet and and imaging for uh, a couple of other sort of music based podcasts and that kind of thing. So I don't I, I would I don't want to say that I'm a professional in in this side of thing because I haven't really done any. 
um, you know, narrative story uh, voice acting before, mainly just advertisement type stuff. And so I, I just wanted to, I was eager. I wanted to jump in there. Oh, come on. You were brilliant in the Christmas shortchange. <laughs> oh, yeah. And, 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 uh, and so what ended up happening um, as a result was uh, we had Steve basically, uh, he, was, he was the Joker's smile because we had uh, another actor as the back of the Joker, a guy with long hair that we knew, who's also an actor actually. And, uh, and he, uh, you did the voice of Bane as well as the Joker. Um, and uh, who else did we have? We had, of Nolan. course, Todd. We had uh, Nolan Hawkness, who's all, who also works in radio. He was the Mad Hatter. Uh, bro- oh, I'm sorry. Uh, Brody actually did do some acting. He was, he was also the Riddler. Yes, he was. Yeah. The oh, yeah. yeah. And Cat. Yeah, um, and Cat. Yeah, Cat is somebody that works uh, with me at the at the radio station here in town, or yeah. one of the radio stations in town. Yeah. And uh, I was lucky. To, I mean, we were thinking we needed a very very pretty bro- blonde girl, and Actually, I was just like, interesting little. Side it has note to happen. That. Yeah, uh, interesting little side note about Cat, and and like I, I thought about this immediately afterwards because not a month after we wrapped on Arkham Rising, she announced that she was pregnant. So so now she's and I'm like oh my god we could totally do a follow up we could totally do a follow up yeah. <laughs> we got knocked up I know yeah. but basically as soon as she like I mean she must have been pregnant during filming but not yeah. not aware of it yeah and, but I mean um, isn't that crazy it <laughs> is crazy but the funny thing is that she said that uh, like as soon as she was pregnant and it was announced around the office and everybody congratulated her uh, I like I just we caught eyes at one point she's like so that means I'm not doing any more movies for a while Steve and I'm like. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah, am I really that obvious? Can you read it right in my face? It's so perfect. I thought you were going to mention uh, that when she found out it was a boy, uh, she named it Jackson, and she'd be going around the office uh, saying Baby J. Oh, yeah. Oh, yes, yeah. (laughs) Yeah. But uh, also she – there was one point during the film where she's uh, kneeling on the ground and she's uh, scooping up the papers. And I'm going to say this because it's inappropriate if you guys do. She got a text from one of the girls that works at the uh, public facility we were filming in. And she's oh, like, yeah. um, Kat, are you guys shooting porn right now? <laughs> in my facility? In my facility. And she's like, no, 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 it's it's a it's a Batman it film. And she's like, Kelsey? sure, sure, yeah, it yeah. was Kelsey. No, because because it's like, hey, what are you up to? And she's like, oh, just on my knees filming a movie. <laughs> yeah. But like, and Awkward. she she kept making the jokes about it too. She's like, oh my god, I'm gonna go home and my husband's gonna ask me why my knees are all red and I'm gonna have to tell him it's not porn. And oh, it's so funny, just so good. Because you know, like in a small town like ours where there wasn't a film scene, like yeah. people were like. Are these people making porn? Because that's really the only. Yeah. Film so like. I mean, I guess to answer your question, kid, um, <laughs> we, we we had access to uh, a lot of the local talent in terms of actors and voice yeah. and voice I mean, people movies. because of the fact that we've done previous short films with them. Okay. Well, you knew Pat Joker was the one. Yes. Uh, well, that was first choice, and she said yes right off the bat, and yeah. uh, <laughs> we were all very happy about she it. She was. She was just like. You guys want me to be in your movie? Like, so. Oh, yeah, excited. we were like, yeah, yeah she's got the look. She, it was yeah. just funny. And, and we even, even when we costumed her up, because, like, sh- her, her costume is all based on the, the animated, animated series, series yeah. like uh, Harleen Quinzel, like the red shirt and the black tie and all that. She so. would ask, well, how do you guys want me to look? And literally, you sent her a screen cap of yeah, the fun. And she showed up yeah. looking yeah. exactly like that. She, even, she, went, she went to the, like, hairdresser that day and got, like, and she's like, I need my hair like this with the picture from, like, the animated <laughs> thing. And the girl's awesome, like, man. okay. <laughs> like, That's what you want. You want that kind yeah. of Yes, oh, right? she was so excited. Especially when you can't pay for hair and makeup. Yeah. So. Well, yeah, no, it's yeah. Good she point. Was like, she's good like, point. yeah, she's like, it's okay because I'm just going to go out after work. So it, it totally So many favorite dollars. We gave, them all, we gave them all dinner. Dinner. We did. Good. We did. Dinner. That's where we met Becky, too. Mm-hmm. That's where you met Becky. We all met her. I knew her. Did you guys fire? 
And when you guys are just about ready to burn down, I've got to, I'm going to throw a little more gas on you, and that's when it's time to ask another question. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. We're really sorry for screwing up yeah. the format of your show. I feel so <laughs> bad. I'm just like, oh, we this just, is not what I'm going to say. On the next Crowbar Radio, I talk to five crazy people <laughs> <laughs> that do not and, shut up. And <laughs> in all seriousness, though, like we haven't had someone sit and ask us these questions before, so we're just bursting with all this information. That, about this project that we fell in love with. It was life-changing for all of us. Making. As a sidebar, because I'm pretty sure I won't be able to fit in a word edgewise towards the end of this, uh, thank you very much, kid. We're, we're definitely not used yes. to the ones being asked uh, for an interview, even though we're just kind of running wild with uh, our own stories. But uh, we're always usually the ones asking people to come on our we're podcast. Like, come so interview us. Thank you very much for uh, for offering us to be. Yes. We're, we're, we're jazzed. We're just jazzed to be on the show, man. <laughs> yes. As Any Galaxy Quest card. Like <laughs> yes, please. Please carry on. Sorry. You can... Okay, so... You're very welcome, guys. And I mean, like, I watch... Uh, you know, I, I try and watch the fan films, and I've watched your little five-minute opus um, uh, quite a few times. And, and I'm going to say this. The first time I watched it, and I was just kind of like, oh, boy. Like, I've got a crazy imagination. And as, I, as the time ticked away, and it's like... Where is this going to go? What are these chuckleheads doing? But when the final credits hit, and the music was great, it was mixed really well. Oh, yeah. It wasn't over the top. Or I find a lot of times the music kills it for me watching these movies. But, man, I had goosebumps. I actually had the goosebumps hit my arm. So uh, so that was good. And that's definitely why I want to talk to you guys, because it was important to me. I, it, I definitely know it was important to all of you. That's thrilling to hear, man. You, yes. you. That's exactly how I felt. Yeah. And I've, I, I watched it, and like I was there when this whole thing came to life. But when we, I seen that final cut, Steve's laugh at the very end literally gives me goosebumps. Well, that, yeah. that was the it hook still too. Does. We, it we, still we, does. we built it all around that last moment, yeah. and I'm like, if we can nail this last shot, writing on the walls, the smile, the laugh. If we can nail that, everything before it, it, it it's just leading to it, and yeah. and that's going to be the big hook for for the movie. And even it, like with every project we do. I always say I'm like this is the shot. Yeah. If if we can nail this one shot, it's it we build around it, yeah. right? So and I don't care what the people on YouTube say, Steve. You've seen it where I've got he's laugh and then your laugh back to back and it's fucking up damn well spot on. Oh, so man. I don't give a shit what the YouTubers say. <laughs> yeah, actually uh, it doesn't matter. Like at a convention, I'll get asked to do the you know, the line all the time. And I hate it. And I, I get it because it's it, you know Joker is is loved by everybody or hated by everybody, but nobody just kind of feels eh about him. That's right. Yeah. Someone's gonna have something to say anyway. Exactly. At the, at the end of the day, you guys <laughs> had the cojones and Steve, you especially, to put your ass on the line and give it your best shot. And what are these guys doing? They're living in their parents' basement, <laughs> away on their keyboard. Oh my god. Or, Rent is really expensive in Fortnite. Can can Thanks, we man. just can we just tell you that we're actually in one of our parents' <laughs> We we got to preface that they don't live at the location, but they are landlords. Yes. Not my parents. Their parents. Oh, that's hilarious. <laughs> But <laughs> kids like I retract my earlier statements, and I'm going off. 
Um, actually, kid, uh, a little aside there, uh, mentioning the music. Um, actually, oh, yes. we we Tito's worked favorite with, question. We we worked with two very talented people on that, wow. and uh, actually, that's the one element that's uh, the the one element of the movie that's not Fort Memory based, and that is um, the sound mix was uh, from. I'm sorry. I want to ask a question. Tito, what is the one thing that really separates fan films from really good fan yes. films? Well, yeah, and, and so <laughs> no, and, and that's that's really what it came down to was, was so we went because uh, uh, because we, we put the movie together and and uh, very early on I was like we need to have someone to do a professional sound pass on this yeah. and the two and, and and one of my biggest concerns was we can't just lift the Hans Zimmer score because uh, YouTube will flag it right. Yeah. And so uh, what I did is, uh, incidentally, like as I was doing my research, we came across this movie Puppet Master, uh, Batman Puppet Master, and and I looked in the credits. I'm like, okay, this this guy's music is really good. So I contacted him. I'm like, hey, listen, this is what we've got so far. And I sent him a cut that had the placeholder music, the Hans Zimmer score. And he's like, yeah, I can totally work with this. So he he mixed uh, – he even uh, – actually, the chanting you hear in the score is his church group. Uh, he got his church – to come together and um, it, it, what it is is um, uh, it's a Dutch choir. It's a Dutch, yeah, it's Dutch choir, and it translates to "begin to rise" is what the chant says. And uh, so we got that element, and then uh, out of Edmonton, there's a, a company called Wolf Willow Studios, uh, who we reached out to, and I was basically like, "This is my movie. This is what my budget They're is." They're big into video games. Yeah, yeah, yeah they did. Uh, they did the sound mix for uh, the, the big Bioware games, uh, Mass Effect and uh, Knights Dragon of the Old Age. Republic and Dragon Age. Yeah. So the guy, he like, I, I totally, I, I walked into his studio and I'm like, this guy's gonna say no, but I'm like, because I was like, I have to ask the question because, you know, uh, why not, right? So I go in, and I'm like, hey, listen, man, this is my budget. Do you think you can work with us? And he's like, and he saw it, and he was like, immediately, he was like, wow, this is really good. Yeah, sure, yeah, I'd love to work on this with you. So he, he, he basically, he, I gave him all my sound stuff, and he was, you know, he did all the little tweaks, the little like sounds of like the cage, the the yeah, the, the cages the opening, closing. I mean, all those little like the even the scribbling of, on the pen pad. He he did a sound pass on that stuff, like all the little nuances to uh, to the scenes, uh, inaudible screaming and all that sort of stuff. And uh, yeah, with the with the score, like uh, I like, and that was the big thing that when I was filtering through all of the fan films, because there's so many fan films on the internet, um, even the ones that are visually striking, it's it's that sound that takes you out. And and yeah. I've uh, you know while while studying film, I was always taught it's like well you could your movie could look like shit. It could be a found footage mo- a movie, but if your sound is airtight, like it will come off as professional because sound is that thing that it's the cheapest thing to do, but it makes the biggest difference uh, in in a production a lot of the time. You know, I think the biggest thing I noticed about you was like I, I I'm sort of feeling that I'm a junkie for that kind of stuff, but I do notice a lot of those movies miss the point on it. Every closing of the door was on, but where where every other fan film would have Bane walk into the room and you hear it every footstep, they would miss that yep. when he's leaving the room they're yep. always about the kind of the entrances but not about the exits and i yeah. thought you know he's going down the stairs and leaving at the end and you could hear every step and it was just kind of like oh man that's evil he's in the background but you know that son of a bitch is there <laughs> yeah <laughs> Oh, yeah. What, what then, I what I love is that you can't hear the the inmates ahead of him's footsteps that well, and then Bane's are just oh, like there's thump, a total presence thump, to, yeah. to, uh, to the sound yeah. design. I remember like when when he get, got me the mix back and 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 I listened to it for the first time. I'm like, holy shit, yes, this is this is it. This is this is gonna sell yeah. this so well. So 
Definitely works. Definitely works. That's, um, I don't know if that was money or a favor, but whatever it was, it was well spent. Geez, just icing on a cake of a good product. Yeah. All right. So, um, you know, obviously we've talked about visualizing this project and where it came from and fighting with these knuckle draggers at Denny's and fighting with <laughs> knuckle draggers in the movie theaters and, and, and all that stuff. <laughs> you talked about, you know, you sort of mentioned Indian art and storyboarding and where the story came from. Uh, your, your whole style, like the whole less is more, where you weren't shredding every detail, you were showing like basics. But That's what happens when the director and the editor are the same cop, person. Like, where you guys got, it you turned my mind on. And uh, on simple little shots, I was thinking, you know, maybe it's, maybe it's the, the fact that I like the Joker so much or the Bat franchise so much. I was playing a chess game in my head, just watching. You know, like, I'm serious, I paused it when those sheets hit the floor and they yes. showed uh, Harley Quinn's session notes, and I read them, and I was just kind of, like, reading them over and over again. Okay, this is good, or, you know, like, just little things like that. It just, I, I don't know. Yeah, and we, we, we really, um, sorry, go ahead, Todd. No, no, I just wanted to say, we did that specifically for you. Yes. And I'm not saying, like, like... We that's exactly what we wanted people to do. Yep. Freeze frame those shots. What does she have in her hand? Well, we, what is that? Holy crap! It, it talks about poison ivy. It talks about who else do we have on that? Well, uh, well, I mean, you freeze frame on the ID card, and that's what your only indication of who, who Harleen is. Quinzel is, right? Yeah, yeah. And and, and, uh, and for the uh, we we went the extra step with those case files too because. In our approach to making the film, we also had the approach to promoting it. And one of the things is we wanted stuff on the Arkham Rising website to pique people's interest. Before yeah. we we had people asking us, uh, "Is this a new video game from uh, Rocksteady? Uh, is this a new movie? Is this a new animated?" Like they wanted to know because it was we actually timed it out well because we were at a time when um, uh, when DC was actually buying up the rights to a bunch of domain names that had Arkham in the title we for were whatever reason. Worried there for a second yeah. too. Uh, Steve and Ash did a really great job in, in uh, the the set deck. And, yeah, it, it, I mean, essentially we're like, we know this is going to be a short story, so let's fill it with as much little nuances for people to, to pick up on. If the, if the fans are watching, if they want that little extra, it's there. You just have yeah. to read between the lines. You can go to the website, and there's even more stuff. You can read some of the case files. Handwritten case so files. And... We, we even, like, the case files are numbered after, like, the issues where these yes. characters show up yeah, for the first time. Like poison, yeah, all of them, all of them, like, they're, um, inmate number is the number of the comic that was that they were released in. So, like the original one, the first time Poison Ivy shows up, or the first time Sandman shows up, or the first time Calendar Man shows up. That's Clayface. Their, Clayface, yeah. Clayface, sorry. Yeah. Sorry, wrong universe. Um, <laughs> there Fire. is a DC Sandman. <laughs> I've been up since four in the morning. Oh, yeah, yeah. But we, we did some research into actual, uh, you know, psychiatry and and, uh, and uh, the yes. studying of broken brains, yep. so to speak, to, uh, to actually apply correct terminology to the, the uh, different uh, issues to that what? each of these inmates were dealing with. Yeah, yeah. And, and it's interesting because I, I've gotten a lot of, like, a lot of the comments that are saying, why would the Joker write all over the walls, right? And it's like, he's not that, he, he, like, he's not that sort of crazy. And my explanation has always been, it, it was to get Harley's attention. Yeah, It was 100%. to get her attention. Yes. And, and at least that's the way I play out. It's like, he needed to make sure that she was more she was interested in coming in and engaging him right yes. so. he, he she was always his way out right yeah well yeah so the, the and that, that was kind of the, the subplot that was running in when i was writing it i'm like he's been working a long con here he's trying to get out but by manipulating someone 
to get him out, right? And then suddenly this happens, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. A kid, like, you, you, you totally just made me gush over that because out of all the, the YouTube comments, and I've read every single one of them, uh, not one person has mentioned what you just mentioned. You are the exact re- it, I don't care about all the hits. It, you just mentioned exactly one of the reasons yep. why we made this movie, and that makes me so happy. Thank you, sir. There you go. I the Yeah. <laughs> Maybe even in the Agent. bottom of the subcocker region. Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. did the, kind of the same thing with that computer screen. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So we sort of launched on this uh, about an hour, five minutes ago. But, uh... All right. So I'm going to cut it right there. Uh, still kind of getting in geeky, uh, talking lots about Arkham Rising. Uh, and we're going to get into the next part tomorrow on episode 95. Um, so yeah, I can't speak highly enough of this guy, and I haven't really officially met him yet. Kid Remington, I've been listening to his podcast uh, before and after we did, we did the show. Uh, I've been following him on the social media. I definitely dig this guy, and can't wait till we go to another con together so we can get on the podcast face-to-face and, and, and do some back and forth. It's going to be great. So like I said, check out his show, Crowbar Radio, at blogtalkradio.com slash kidremington. Uh, Kid Remington on Twitter, uh, Kid Remington uh, and Crowbar Radio on Facebook. Uh, go to our Facebook and Twitter. You'll see all the links there. Uh, go check him out. This guy is the shit. He's awesome. Once again, I'll hawk the show this Saturday, February 22nd. We're doing the live podcast, our 100th episode. John Mick's going to be there performing some wicked comedy. We got seven incredible Winter Reels films uh, from the 100-hour challenge that we're going to show. It's going to be a great night. It all starts at 7 o'clock. The bar is going to be there. uh, Some drinks. It's, It's going to be a good time. Come on down. Have a blast. Let's celebrate the the Wyman podcast. Let's celebrate film. Celebrate uh, comedy. And let's just celebrate uh, Fort Mac Entertainment because it's it's out there and, and it's it's high quality shit, guys. So enjoy us. All the tickets and information, ymmpodcast.com. We're going to come back at you tomorrow with part two. But for now, on behalf of uh, Tito, Ash, and Steve, I'm Todsky. For this episode of the Y-Man Podcast, I definitely said that wrong, but y'all get what I'm trying to say. We'll see you next set. Y-Man Podcast is a T-Man Entertainment production. In association with Hyperphotonic Media. Find us at hyperphotonicmedia.com. Oh, fuck. Thank <laughs> you.